Romans chapter 10, verse 17. We're in our faith and family in the fall series. You know, last week, Bishop Butler blessed us and brought a word to us in the campus in Marietta and the campus online. And then we had a great time during our marriage conference for all the married couples who joined us. And so we're going to start here and see how far we get. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. If you want to follow along with me, you can find my notes on the Version Bible app. Under events, you'll see Faith Christian Center, see my notes for today. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. It's a very familiar scripture to a lot of us. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by what is continually heard. It is not what you have heard. It's what you continually hear. Just because you heard the word 30 years ago doesn't mean you have faith today. Just because you heard the word five years ago doesn't mean you have faith today. Faith comes to the human heart based off what they continually hear. Fear comes the same way. Faith comes by what you continually hear. Fear comes by what you continually hear. The forces that influence the decisions we make are strengthened by what we continually hear. I'll say that again. The forces that influence the decisions we make are strengthened by what we continually hear. Too often we run with what we hear because it sounds good, because it's religious, or it affirms previously held thoughts and beliefs or actions we want to take. You know, you've all seen people that, you know, they call around not because they want to get other people's advice or opinion. They just want to find someone who says what they have to say so they can do it and says, well, so-and-so did it too. Too often we run with what we hear because it sounds good, it's religious, or it affirms previously held thoughts and beliefs or it's actions we want to take. We live in a world of commentators, influencers, experts, celebrities, politicians, and preachers. Everyone has something to say. Too often, we grab onto a saying without fully considering it. Too often, because everybody has something to say, we grab to hold to a saying without fully considering it. We live in a society that rushes to react to every headline without reading the article. We are led by clickbait and act accordingly. How many people have you seen that were outraged because of a title yet never read the article? And they'll say, so-and-so did this. Why? That's what the article said. You never read the article. You just said the title. And when you read the article, the person actually did the opposite. But we live in a society where we run with every headline without reading the article. We're led by clickbait and act accordingly. But I need you to understand this. Headline hearing and clickbait faith will not produce the life you're praying for. Headline hearing and clickbait faith will not produce the life that you are praying for. Come on, say it with me and put it in the chat if you're watching online. Say headline hearing and clickbait faith will not produce the life that I'm praying for. We must pay attention to how we hear, what we hear, and examine our currently held beliefs with a simple question, who said that? We must examine how we hear, what we hear, and our currently held beliefs with a simple question, who said that. Go to Mark chapter 4 with me. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 23. Look what Jesus says here. He said, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, take heed 
what ye hear. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. The Amplified Classic Version says it this way. If any man has ears to hear, let him be listening and let him perceive and comprehend. And he said unto them, be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. And more besides will be given to you who hear. Go to Luke chapter 8, verse 18. Pay attention to what you hear. Luke chapter 8, verse 18. Take heed therefore how you hear. For whosoever has, to him shall be given. And whosoever has not, from him shall be taken even that which he seems to have. The Amplified Version says it this way, Be careful therefore how you listen. For to him who has spiritual knowledge will more be given. And from him who does not have spiritual knowledge, even what he thinks and guesses and supposes that he has will be taken away. Now, when you look earlier in Luke chapter 8, just like in Mark chapter 4, Jesus is talking in this context, ears to hear. Those who have ears to hear will receive more. But those who don't have ears to hear will lose what is being said and are in danger of losing what they've heard before. Spiritual growth is not linear. Just because you've been saved 30 years doesn't mean you're a mature Christian. You could still be in diapers. What are you hearing? How are you hearing? Who are you hearing? And what are you doing with what you're hearing? Go to Genesis chapter 2. Who said that? Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it, for in the day that you eat thereof you shall surely die. So God gave Adam a command to dress or to take care of the garden, to keep it, to guard it. And then he told him, You're not to eat of the fruit, of the tree in the midst of the garden. God has given Adam a command. God has spoken to Adam. How many say he heard God? He knows what God said. Is anything confusing with this? Take care of the garden. Protect the garden. Don't eat that. Right? Simple. Go to chapter 3. As you go to chapter 3, understand this. God will speak to you, but there will always be another voice. God will speak to you, but there will always be another voice. The voice of your reasoning. The voice of your feelings. The voice of your flesh. The voice of the culture. Of celebrities, commentators, politicians, and many others. And the voice of the enemy. As 1 Corinthians 14 says, there are many voices in this world and none without significance. But the question to you is what voice will you listen to and obey? Will you actually go through life asking who said that? Come on, say, who said that? Go ahead, put it in the chat. Let's say it again. Who said that? Because when you get to chapter 3, verse 1, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, pause, before you even get there. The serpent was a beast of the what? Field. Where were Adam and Eve living? The garden. Was that serpent supposed to be there? First thing you notice, something is there that shouldn't be. So if something has shown up that shouldn't be, you need to question what is it about to say? It wasn't supposed to be there. And both Adam and Eve had the authority to say, get back to where you're supposed to be in. They both had that authority. They both had that dominion. They both had that glory. But they let the serpent talk. 
and he does what he still does today. He casts doubt on the word of God. He says, yeah, has God really said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Notice, he took this big line to obscure and blur what God said. Did God say you can't eat every tree in the garden? But notice how Eve replies correctly. We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you should not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. She responded correctly. She responded with the word of God. Now further, she should have taken to me and said, get. But so far, decent. Maybe not 100, but hey, passing grade. At least she responded with the word. Some of you get mad at Eve, but she's resisted the devil longer than you. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. Now he's contradicting the word of God. He went from trying to blur it, now outright contradiction. And now he begins to question God's motives. For God does know in the day that you eat of it, then shall your eyes be open and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. He's questioning God's motive. And he also blurs Adam and Eve's identity. Think about it. Adam and Eve were created in the image and the likeness of God. They were given the dominion of God over the entire planet. They were clothed in the glory of God. They controlled the planet. Everything had to listen to them. They were already like gods. God made Adam and Eve the gods of the planet. Well, how do you know that? That's not religious, but it's Bible. Because when you look at 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it calls Satan the god of this world, lowercase g. How did Satan become the god of this world? He got that dominion from Adam and Eve. See, if you don't know who you are, Satan will always flip it on you. So now Eve is in the midst of an identity crisis, thinking she has to become something she already is. Do you know how frustrating that is, trying to live your life to become something you already are? Because if you never realize that's who you already are, you'll keep doing things again and again and again trying to become that. And you never become that, you'll live a life of frustration. That's why a lot of believers are frustrated because they're trying to become righteous and they already are. When you are born again, you are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You'll never be more righteous than you are right now. If you're born again, you'll never be more righteous than you are right now. But if you always are trying to become righteous, you will be frustrated. And then you'll be harsh to everyone else who doesn't sin the same way you do. Righteousness is our standing. Holiness should be our conduct. But if you don't understand that you're righteous, you'll have a hard time being holy. Now, you might keep a list of rules and look holy to everyone else, but you'll be harsh and mean with your holiness and be violating the law of love and you still won't be holy. Notice what happened next. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. And she took of the fruit thereof and did eat it and gave also unto her husband with her. He wasn't far away. He was right there. And he did eat. So after they considered the outright contradiction to the word of God, instead of resisting it and saying, no, God said this. Well, I trust in God's love. I trust in his character. They considered the line of the enemy and looked at the temptation and said, well, that does look good. How many times have we fallen into traps because we looked at something again we should have looked at? You saw it the first time. You couldn't not see it the first time. But it's your control if you see it the second time. It looked good, good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes. It was desired. This is dealing with the desires of your flesh. See, when Satan comes to tempt you, he's not going to try to tempt you with something that doesn't work, something you want. But if he's offering it, it's a counterfeit to make you settle for something when God has better. So many people have jumped into dating relationships because they're just tired of being lonely. It's cold. 
I need somebody to cuddle with. It's cuffing season. I don't want to go through the holidays alone. I can't hear Big Mama's voice again if I show up to Thanksgiving without somebody. And so you feel in some type of way. And probably listening to some music you shouldn't be listening to. Another message. Or maybe this message. We'll see. And the counterfeit shows up. The counterfeit's never ugly. The counterfeit looks good. Now, whether all of that is real or bought or created, who knows? But when you see the counterfeit, the counterfeit looks good. And instead of doing your due diligence, asking some questions, because see, in dating, you got to ask some questions. You don't just go along with what you see. Because anybody can put up a good act for a while. You got to ask some questions. Like, what is your name? Is that your real name? Your government name? Now, what they call you? Good, they call you Pookie, but what does the government call you? Are they looking for you? Do you owe them some money? Come on, talk to dating people. Are you married? So, oh, no, no, we're separated. Still married. Have you always been this gender? Do you have a job? Who do you own? How many people is it? Do you have a credit score? Is it so bad it hit negative? There's some questions you've got to ask in the process of time. Because if you don't ask those questions and you just jump and y'all just start banging, I'm coming for you today. There's a whole lot of things you'll miss, and you thought you got the real one, and you end up sleeping with the devil. And you wake up the next morning, the head spinning around. Oh, Jesus, what did I do? You set up for a counterfeit. Just because you went with what you saw. Instead of taking the time to ask some questions. It's not just in the dating life, it's in everything. Do you take time to not just run with what you see, run with what you hear, but actually examine the light of the wisdom of the word of God and say, who said that? What word are you living by? What word do you have faith in? The word you believe, whoever's word it is, will produce results in your life. If you do not like the results in your life, check what you've heard. Check who you've heard. And if you've heard the right word, then I want you to pay close attention to Luke chapter 6. Go there with me. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Because too often we believe things. Because you say, well, Pastor, you know, it is 2021. God doesn't really expect us not to, you know, sleep together before we get married. You know, you got to, you know, drive the car before you buy it, right? Who said that? And who said if you do that, there's not a consequence? Your actions are seeds. They produce harvest, whether you like the harvest or not. And the thing is, not every harvest shows up immediately. There's some harvests that take decades to show up. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Oh, why do bad things happen to good people? Good people do bad things. Good people sow bad seeds. And good people, if they don't repent and pray for a crop failure, get bad harvest. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. She said, why call me Lord, Lord, a supreme authority, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever comes to me and hears my saying and does them. Notice three things. Come to Jesus, hear what he has to say, and do what he says. I will show you to whom he is like. He's like a man which built a house and dug deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon that house, it could not shake it or agitate it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that hears and does 
is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of the house was great. Notice the storm comes to everybody. There's no such thing as a life without a storm. Everybody has a storm. Whether they post it on Instagram or not, everybody's got a storm. Whether you see the storm or not, everybody goes through a storm in different seasons. And notice who Jesus is talking about. He's not even talking about believers and unbelievers. He's talking about people who have come to him and people who have heard what he has to say. The difference comes with the third part, the one who does it and the one who doesn't. Both individuals came to Jesus and heard from Jesus. Only one acted on what he said. One dug deep and laid a foundation. Digging deep and laying a foundation is not clickbait hearing or headline hearing. It is hearing the word, meditating on that word, and applying that word. It is holding on to that word and acting on that word in the face of affliction, persecution, cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and lust of other things. It's not, oh, I heard it, and I'm going to go wrong. Well, how often have you heard something and forgotten it? So if I'm really going to be a doer, I probably should take some notes. I'd just be good. If God's speaking, I should write it down. And you know what? If I take notes, I should look at the notes again. Because a lot of us have notebooks full of good notes filed away in our library or in the storage room. When's the last time you took a look at the notes you took? Go to James chapter 1 with me. James chapter 1. Look what Jesus' little brother had to say about this. James chapter 1, verse 22. But be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Notice this. If you hear and don't do, you deceive yourself. It didn't say Satan deceives you. It says you do it. A lot of things we blame on Satan. It wasn't him, it was you. I rebuke the devil, and he goes, it wasn't me. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or a mirror. For he beholds himself and goes his way and immediately forgets what manner of man it was. He forgets what he looks like. But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty, the word of God, and continues there in the powers and consistency, not what you did once. See, I did what was right once. I did the word one time. It happened. I remember it. Might be a couple of decades ago, but I know I did something. You're not going to get the breakthrough you want. It's about what you continually do, what you consistently do. The power is inconsistency. Say it with me. Say the power is inconsistency. Go ahead, put it in the chat. Let's say it again. Let's say the power is inconsistency. Because James continues, says, he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed or blessed in his doing. So if you want to be blessed in what you do, hear and do. Hear and do. The doer is blessed. Do not be a forgetful hearer. Take notes and make plans to act on the word from God that you hear. Go to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. Take notes and act on the word that you hear. The word of God is given to you and for you. So you probably should read it. We have so many different ways to read the word. So many different good translations. For those of you who want a physical book, you got it. Those of you who want it on the phone, you got it. You want another device, you got it. On the website, you got it. But you got to read it. You got to do it. You can't just read the word at church on Sunday. 
when I'm doing the reading for you. You got to be in this book every day. And on days of extra pressure, double up. People talk about booster shots now. Some of you need a booster shot of the word. But we can't really give you a booster because you get the first dose. We got to be word people, not just favorite word people. We have to be in the word. Readers of the word, hearers of the word, doers of the word. Depositing the word in our heart. Hiding, depositing that word in our heart. Not so far down that no one knows you hid it in the first place. But depositing so much word in your heart that you're a do doer of the word so you don't sin against God. You keep depositing that word in your heart. Because your heart is a production center. Whatever you keep putting in is going to come out. So if you keep feeding on drama, people don't even need to turn on primetime TV. They just watch you. Because if all you feed on is drama, that is what you're going to produce. I said this to the Marietta campus a couple weeks ago. I said, if you want to break your addiction to drama, stop taking the drug of gossip. If you want to break your addiction to drama, stop taking the drug of gossip. And sometimes gossip is just these clickbait articles you like to click on. Ooh, click. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Click. Scroll, scroll, click. Ooh, did you know? Girl, did you hear? Dude, did you hear? Bruh. Did stop feeding on the gossip. I thought we want our life to look like the word, not the dramatic TV shows. Now, I'm not saying watching those TV shows are wrong. Some of them are very entertaining. But if you feed on that more than the word, that is what your life is going to look like. What do you want your life to look like? Especially if you don't like the way your life is looking right now. Are you in the word enough? Because the word of God will speak to you. Say, the word of God will speak to me. Say, the word of God is God speaking to me. Another way, primary way, God leads his people is through the inward witness. We see it in Romans chapter 8 and other places that it says the spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Bear witness means to give evidence to. That's what that word means. The Holy Spirit gives evidence to your spirit. That's how he communicates with you. The Bible teaches us that we are a tripart being. You are a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind, your will, the control center of your emotions, and you live in a physical body. God, the main way he communicates to you is in here. In here. So don't say, well, if God really wants me to obey his word, then I need the clouds to turn three shades of gray at this upon time. Then I need the book to fall off the shelf and open up to the right page and put in all these things on the outside. Because you're spiritually lazy. He said, well, it happened once in the Bible to a man who was under an old covenant and was technically spiritually dead. You are not spiritually dead. He lay out a fleece. It worked for him because of the covenant in that specific situation. But if you put out fleeces today, you will get fleeced. Why? Because the Spirit of God is not the only one who has access to that realm. So do familiar spirits. But so many people run after, some after prophets, some after prophets, and some after fortune tellers, psychics, witches, warlocks. I'm a Christian witch. Baby, you a witch. You run after all these things to get a word because you won't hear for yourself. So, oh, they told me about my childhood. They told me where I was born. Demons know that too, sweetheart. That's why they're called familiar spirits. They're familiar with you. But if you keep running after that because you're too spiritually lazy to open the Bible and pray and hear from God, you'll find out you're being led by familiar spirits more often than the Holy Ghost. Opening doors and coming home with demons and doggy bags. Oh, I don't know why the devil's up in my house. You opened the door and brought a man and made him a room. And you feed him. Why would he leave? 
it says the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Under the old covenant, it was scriptural for them to go to a prophet to get leading from God because it was an old covenant where the people who were technically spiritually dead. You're not under the old covenant. You have a new covenant based on better promises. One of those promises, when you're born again, your spirit becomes alive to God, and God himself moves in on the inside of you. And because the spirit of God is there, he's giving evidence to your spirit. But a lot of times, we're expecting the spectacular, and we miss the supernatural. You're waiting for the clouds to change eight different colors, and God's trying to talk to you on the inside, knocking, hey, 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 listen, listen, listen to me. Hello, hello. Got the Holy Ghost doing jumping jacks on the inside, trying to get your attention. But you want something out here, and you miss what's in here. He gives evidence to your spirit. One of the evidences he gives to your spirit is peace. Colossians chapter 3 says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are called, and be thankful. The Amplified Version talks about, let it act as an umpire. What's the purpose of umpire? It says what stays, what goes, what's in, what's out. Let the peace of God that comes from the Spirit of God act as an umpire in your heart. So before you make these decisions, do you got peace with that? Not because it makes sense with your mind or your body really wants to do it. Do you got peace? I'm not saying you got to pray seven days in a row before you go out on a date, single people. Don't be spooky. Well, I got to intercede for a month before I can answer that question, my brother. Now, don't, don't do that. Check for peace. Do you have peace? Look here, do you have peace? Do you have evidence from the Spirit? Hey, go ahead and do that. Do you have peace about going to that place? Do you have peace about taking that job? Do you have peace about going to that grocery store? Do you have peace about booking that flight? Do you have peace about going to that vacation? Do you have peace about sending your kids to that school? Do you have peace? Or do you have an absence of peace or more like a check? That every time you go to make that decision, it's like, ugh, like a scratchy feeling on the inside. How many times have we gotten in trouble because we overrode that scratchy feeling? It's, oh, God, it's wish you speak to me. He is! giving evidence to your spirit. Don't do that. It's a red light flashing in your heart. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Oh, I wish God talked to me. He did. Even unbelievers hear that voice. How many times we've seen unbelievers on TV like something told me not to go there. It wasn't a something. It was a someone. He's the Holy Spirit. And he gives evidence to your spirit. Some of you about to make some decision right now. You have that evidence of spirit. Don't do that. Don't you dare go down that road. Don't do that. You better follow peace. And beyond that, there are times you'll hear a still, small voice in your heart. Now, yes, there are other spectacular guidances that people talk about, dreams and visions, angelic visitation. All of those are good, and all those happen. The gifts of the Spirit still work today. There is tongues interpretation of tongues, prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. All those are great. But the ways that you would normally hear from God on a regular, everyday basis that's promised to every single believer is the word of God and the inward witness. Followed by that is the still, small voice of your spirit, in your spirit, speaking to you, telling you what to do. And notice, there are some things God will tell you to do that he didn't tell someone else to do. And just because it's an instruction to you doesn't mean you turn it to instruction to somewhere else. Well, on the flip side of that, just because it was an instruction to someone else doesn't mean it's an instruction to you. Don't become spiritually lazy and just take someone else's word. Well, it's your word. It's dangerous to live off of somebody else's word. Let me show you Exodus chapter 14. I never forget about it. Exodus chapter 14. A lot of us are familiar with the story. When the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea, anybody heard that story before? They crossed the Red Sea. Let's read it in a little bit different light today. And the Lord said unto Moses, why are you crying out to me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift up your rod and stretch your hand over the sea. And by implication, you divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. 
So the instructions to the children of Israel was very simple. What was it? Go. Simple, two-letter word. The instruction to the children of Israel was go. What was the instructions to the Egyptian army? Because they had instructions too. It was let my people go. Israel, go. Egyptian army, let my people go. So when Israel acted on their word from God, what happened? The Red Sea parted. They walked across on dry ground. But what happened when the Egyptian army tried to walk on somebody else's word? They drowned. Are there some things in your life that have been swept away by the red seas of life because you're acting on somebody else's word? You say, well, work for them. It didn't work for me because God didn't tell you to do it. He told them to do it. That's why it worked for them. What is God telling you to do? He will never contradict his written word, but he will give you direction and guidance for your everyday life. But we cannot be spiritual, lazy people and just take someone else's word and live off of that. Say, God talks to me. So don't say he doesn't. Because Jesus said he does, and I believe Jesus over you. And John 10, Jesus says, you know my voice, and the voice of a stranger you will not follow. So stop telling yourself you can't hear from God. You've heard from him before. You just called us something else. I had a feeling. I had a hunch. I had an intuition. I felt something. People call all these other things, but say, God was sharing something with me. I picked it up. Even Paul said, I perceive in my heart. I perceived this. I picked up on something. It's God leading you, which means if he's going to lead you through your spirit, you need to learn how to develop your spirit. Because if you're going to depend on your spirit to hear from God, you need to know what he's going to say to you. I'm going to cover this a little bit more in Faith and Morning later this week, but these four steps to develop your human spirit. How many want four steps to develop your human spirit? It's real simple. It's not going to take me much time because you need to do it. Number one, meditate the word. Meditate the word you hear. And meditation of the word is not, you know, just, you know, sitting there and trying to enter some zen state off of the word. No. Meditating the word means to go over it again and again, think on it again and again, talk about it again and again. That's how you meditate the word from God. Number two, practice or do the word. Don't be a forgetful hearer. Do what God said. Number three, give the word first place. Number three, give the word first place. If there's some opposing views in your life, you pick the word over everything else. That means if that word is what you weigh weightier than everything else, you need to take time every day to get in that word. To read, I recommend people read at least one chapter aloud a day. He said, well, I don't know where to start. We have this whole reading plan on the Faith Plus app. You can follow along with us. Then we live in a day and age where you have access to messages. That's why we put all of our messages online and on the app for free so you can listen to it again and again. That's why we have a daily podcast to get the word into you again and again, helping you make the word first place. Then number four, instantly obey the voice of your spirit. Instantly obey. When you hear direction in your spirit, do what he says. Now, there are times you hear direction in your spirit and you need some follow-up questions. I hear that, sir. How would you like me to do it? When would you like me to do it? So what do you do? You instantly obeyed. You received the instruction. You agree with it. Now you're getting follow-up direction for future directions. Don't ignore what you get in your spirit. Act on it. And sometimes acting on it is praying it out further. Sometimes that's the action you're supposed to take. Not praying out so long, you're just praying that God forgets what he said. Not that type of prayer. But praying it out so you have the direction on how to go the steps forward. You know, Hebrews 3 talks about when you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, harden not your heart. Every time you hear God's voice or hear his direction in your spirit and you act upon it, you make your heart softer to hear his voice next time. But every single time you ignore it or disobey it, you make your heart harder, make it harder for you to hear next time. So if you want to develop your human spirit this week, meditate the word. Practice the word. 
give the word first place and instantly obey the voice of your spirit. Because if God's going to lead you through your spirit, you need to build that bad boy up. A lot of us develop our bodies, and we should. A lot of us develop our minds through education, and we should. But a lot of us forget about our spirit. And if you come to church on Sunday, on a regular basis, this could just be your once out of six, once out of eight, once out of 12, once out of 32 attendance. If you come on a regular basis, if you listen on a regular basis, then that's only one meal a week. One chance to develop your spirit of the week. And I don't know about you, but I like to eat more than once a week. Anybody like to eat more than once a week? I'm working on some fitness goals, but I still like to eat more than once a week. Why would we treat our spirits differently? Some of us only feed our spirits once a week, and we wonder why it's so hard to hear from God. Your spirit is hungry. Feed your spirit the word of God. The word of God is spiritual food. That's why Peter told shepherds or pastors, feed the flock which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers of. The word of God is spiritual food. And so I take it very seriously what I share in this holy desk and who I put up to share in these holy desks. But you also must hear the word and read the word throughout the week. Because whatever you hear continually is what you'll believe. So now you have to ask yourself some questions. Or ask yourself one question as you examine your life. Who said that? Because there's a lot of things we hear about marriage and relationships we just take as, you know, fact. It's actually not in the Bible. And once we get married, our relationship will be stronger. Who said that? Once we get married, I will never struggle with my sexual desires. Who said that? Once I get married, I have someone to talk to all the time. Who said that? Once I get married, I'll never struggle with self-esteem issues again. Who said that? Or if you don't want to look at your spouse for a second. Once I have a kid, I'll be fulfilled in my life. Who said that? Once I have a kid, I'll be fulfilled. Who said that? Once I have a kid, I won't do the same thing my parents did. Who said that? You know, wind down Wednesday won't really affect my family. Who said that? Oh, y'all got quiet on that one. You know, I can just trace my dreams. I don't have to get a job. Who said that? Well, I can just chase my dreams and not work a job at the same time. Who said that? There's a lot of things we live off that we need to question who said that. Who said that? Was it Jesus? Was it American culture? Was it the devil? Was it you? You've got to examine yourself in light of the word of God and examine every single belief you have and ask the question, who said that? Well, everything's good right now. I don't need a budget. Who said that? My industry will last forever. Who said that? Like, I just need one career, and that one career, one job will be good and meet all my needs every bill. Who said that? If I make it into that college, my life will be good. Who said that? You got to examine your life with that. Who said that? Because there's a lot of things we do that are not technically biblical. Not saying all of them are wrong, but if you build your life off of those sayings that have no godly power, when the storm comes, you fall. Or when the Red Sea collapses, it's washed away. Whose word are you acting on? Whose word is producing results in your life? Who said that? 
See, we painted so many pictures in our minds based off of things we've heard or things we've seen. Sometimes we don't realize how much of our life we've built off of what we saw on TV, what we've seen in movies, what we've seen online. We may not like to admit it, but we kind of want some of those things we saw in those movies. Don't look at me at that. You want some of those things you saw in those movies. Some of you want the money you saw in those movies, the relationship you saw in those movies, some of the adventures you saw in those movies. Some of you were like, man, if I had superpowers, I, that'd be me. Yeah. Not everything you see in those movies is wrong. Some things you want, some things you desire. That's not bad. But what happens is when we build our life like those movies, like those TV shows, like those books, like those podcasts, and if they have no scriptural foundation, we're building on shaky, sandy ground that will not stand the test of time. I'm not saying it won't work for a year or two or three. But what happens when the storm comes or there's a pandemic or the U.S. economy goes down again? You know, we've had, this in my lifetime, it was either two or three once-in-a-lifetime financial disasters. Only happens once in a lifetime. Well, we're at two or three right now, so by this count, it could be a few more. But can your life stand in the midst of a storm? If not, you have to examine the foundation. Now, what happens if your house falls? You can rebuild. But if you're going to rebuild, lay the foundation first. And so in this series, we're going to examine some things. This is just kind of the opening message. Because a lot of these images we create in our mind from what we've seen, what we've heard, what we've experienced, I like to call Camelot. The idealistic society. Now, we use this Camelot phrase because of um, a first lady, uh, Jackie, Onassis, Jackie Kennedy Onassis, who described her husband's administration as Camelot, about the good years. And a lot of times, we think about the good years and don't realize in the midst of the good years, there's still some drama. Not everything was that good as we like to remember. Oh, the good old days. Like, oh, don't you remember in 2019 when we didn't have to wear masks and it wasn't a pandemic and everybody wasn't as crazy? But if you go back to 2019, there was stuff you were complaining about then. And wish, oh, I wish things had changed. Here to 2020, not like that. And so we have a habit of looking to the past and looking as the past is golden when it's just gilded. And so it leads me to what I want to share with you, dismantling Camelot. So you can have the life God wants you to have. How many of you want to learn how to dismantle Camelot? Then come back next week. Stand to your feet. This is step one. Examine your currently held beliefs with the phrase, who said that? Who said that? Who said the husband makes every decision in the house? Who said that? Who said the husband's the only one supposed to work? Who said that? See, I kind of want to like just hit a few buttons and like run off the stage. <laughs> Who said the husband only takes out the trash? See, I'm just being that. <laughs> Who said that? Who said the husband was the one who managed the money? Who said that? Now I'll jump into that one. If, bruh, if you're bad with managing money, let your wife do it. I won't even give you a week of wise financial management. The Bible doesn't say you have to be the one who manages it. There's a lot of things we hold dear because of traditions and culture and what we've seen that doesn't have Bible basis. And I was sharing in the marriage conference that when we read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we read it today, you know, thousands of years later, but at that time, it was radical because Paul preached equality to the genders. 
in a society that did not believe that. Who said you better than your spouse? Who said that? It's time to dismantle Camelot. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you that we're not just going to be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word so we can be blessed in our doing. Help us this week to examine our lives through the phrase, who said that, so that we can dismantle Camelot and build the life, the family, the relationships you've called for us to have. We can't do it on our own, but we can do it empowered by the Spirit of God, empowered by your grace. So we lean on you right now for the grace and the help to do what you share with us today. We don't take it as our own willpower, but we do it by the power of the Spirit of God who lives within us. Help us this week to develop our human spirits so we can hear more coming to you to hear and to do what you said. Help us act on the word you've spoken to us, not trying to live off of somebody else's word. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.